There you go. All right. Luke. Oh my gosh. What a great book. A lot of stuff going on. I remember when I was uh, trying to say, well, you know, the, so Don, when are you going to preach? Was kind of hinted by the leadership. It was like, okay, well, let me, let me look and see what's there. So uh, I was trying to narrow it down and this chapter and everything. And then it was a couple of Sundays ago during praise and worship. We sang like oil. I come before you just as I am and lay me at your feet. I bring before you all that I have and I lay it at your feet. Praise like oil. For you I pour it out. For you I pour it out. I pour, I pour, I pour it out for you. I pour this perfume not to impress the people standing around. I pour this perfume because of your worthiness as I behold you now. Yeah, it's... I was like, ding, Luke 7. That's what did it for me, because uh, that's an amazing story. But Luke 7 being loaded with lots of stuff, there was another story I didn't want to leave out. So just as kind of a summary, chapter 7. Who, all right, who read chapter 7 this week? Raise your hands, okay. If you didn't, that's okay. You can follow along. Say Luke chapter 7. Okay, we're there. But just kind of a summary, uh, at the beginning we see the faith of the centurion, we uh, see a story of Jesus raising a widow's son back to life. And then we see uh, Jesus interacting with some of John's disciples. Some questions about, are you who you say you are? And then, of course, it ends with the sinful woman anointing Jesus' feet. So I'm looking at these stories. I see two bookends, basically, of chapter 7. I see the centurion's story of faith. And I see the sinful woman's story of faith. And that's what I want to focus on this morning is looking at those two and then pull a few things from it. Um, but what I find interesting, Jesus used two unlikely characters to show us faith in action. So in chapter 7, verses 1 through 17, when Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, who his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. This is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Cray, cray story. There we go. I think the first one's coming up. I don't know if y'all can see that one as, as well, but uh, this particular story, if you can make it out, that's uh, the character from The Chosen, Gaius, the centurion, laying his hand on his... Uh, servant's son, 
that's there. And his character is, is based loosely off of this character in Luke 7. And I just, I don't know, it just blows my mind, this story. Now, news of Jesus' ministry was spreading and hearing all of his miracles. Uh, I'm sure the centurion was moved to ask for Jesus to come and heal his most valued servant. Can you imagine that? The word of mouth being spread of Jesus' wonders, what he was doing, healing people, forgiving sins, caring for people. And yet this centurion picked up on that. He heard of Jesus. And because of that, he was moved to ask Jesus to come and heal his servant. Now we learn that he feels unworthy, so he asked some of the elders of the Jews to make the request for him. His involvement in their community has made a huge impression, and these elders were happy to make the request on his behalf. So Jesus goes with them. That's pretty amazing. This is a Roman centurion, a Gentile, and yet he has had an impact on this community, this Jewish community. He's helped build their synagogue, which goes completely counter of what you might think a centurion might be. You know, our, our mindset of centurions is, oh, hitting stands here, uh, doing that. No, uh, but they, they're, they're not seen in very positive light. They're seen as, you know, tyrannical. They're seen as evil. They're seen as mean, cruel, but not this centurion, not this man. And I just think it's kind of cool that he could ask these Jewish elders to speak on his behalf. That says a lot. It really does. And I would want that. I would want that kind of a testimony to precede me if I were to ask for something, to have people say of me that I was doing things that were good. So, yeah, that's, that's amazing there. But we also see the centurion's humility as Jesus nears his home. He sends friends to intercede and explain to Jesus he's undeserving to have him come under his roof, let alone him feeling unworthy to come to Jesus himself. I don't know if I can quite explain that, uh, but here's a man who probably is just becoming familiar with the Jewish faith, and I'm sure his mind is starting to be blown by what he's learning about Jesus, the Messiah, and what he's doing. And because of that, even with his stature, he feels that certain humility of, I don't feel comfortable doing this. I don't feel comfortable with you coming into my home. So yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty amazing. But understanding the power of authority as a commander of soldiers and the obedience it, de it demonstrates, the centurion says with confidence, say the word and my servant will be healed. Wow. Say the word and my servant will be healed. Something has had a profound impact on this man, this centurion. He's already showing that he has a love for people, a love for people of faith. But yet he's still a Roman soldier. He's still a centurion. So yeah, uh, and then here's, here's the cool part. Jesus is so amazed by this faith that he turns to his followers and makes this profound statement. I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. This about a Gentile. Ooh, you know, I wonder, what, I wonder what they were thinking when he said that, you know. But still, that says a lot for that to come out of the mouth of Jesus about this man. 
and his faith. So yeah, even more amazing is that Jesus does not have to have physical contact with the servant. They return home only to find the servant is healed. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Jesus' acknowledgement of this man's faith was enough to produce the healing he requested. And to me, that says the power that was in the word Jesus spoke. You know, there wasn't this grand performance of, you know, be healed or, you know, because there were other healings that Jesus did where he laid hands on people, where he, he made more of a spectacle of it, not meaning to, but it was more, there was something involved in that. But yet, this is, this is done from a distance and for a Gentile. So you're already picking up on a lot of these other great messages that are coming from that. Jesus' love, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. So this moves us to our next character, the sinful woman who anointed Jesus' feet. I had the hardest time trying to find a picture to accurately demonstrate this, because there are so many pictures of this scene where Jesus is sitting in a chair with his feet sticking out, or there's a table. No, Jesus was reclined at table. This blew my mind as an early student, because I'm thinking, how does she get in there and wash his feet if he's sitting at a table, it's sitting in a chair? And then it was like, no, 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 he's reclined at table. This was customary for them to lay on their side and their head at the table and their feet sticking out away from the table. Makes good sense, too, because I don't know if I necessarily want to have my head next to someone's stinky feet. You know what I mean? But so here we are. Simon the Pharisee has opened his home up. Now, let me read this first, and we'll get into it. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And you think I would have picked up on that early on, reclined at the table, duh. So a woman in the town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with tears, or with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know as touching him what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Oh, tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, 
your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So, here's this woman. We're not even going to get into the semantics of the sinful part, okay? She's sinful. But she has heard of Jesus as well. This word has gotten out. And she hears that this dinner party is taking place and Jesus is going to be there. So she is going to make an effort to be there. And I found this interesting that while yet this was a party hosted by Simon the Pharisee, others were, were in, this, in this dining area. They were part of this. I'm sure the spectacle of it, you know, and maybe the Pharisee, hey, come see, I've got Jesus here dining with me, you know, and yet other people were coming in. So she made her way in, and I'm sure she felt like, please don't let anybody see me. Please don't let anybody see me. Trying to blend in as much as she could. You know, because she understood her type was not allowed. And that took a lot of courage when you stop and think about it. For someone with that understanding of who she was, her sinfulness, for her to go into this building, to go into this room, and to be there says a lot about her determination and her faith. Her sinful way of life was a huge burden, and she must have heard that Jesus was capable uh, to provide cleansing and forgiveness, so she brought with her all she had to provide an offering. Since Jesus was reclining at the table, his feet were easily acceptable, accessible excuse me, for her to wash and anoint his feet. Her heavy emotional response produced those tears capable of wetting his feet and she proceeded to wash them and dry them with her hair. She kissed his feet as she anointed his feet with a perfume, such humility and self-sacrifice. We lightheartedly might call that an ugly cry when you have that kind of tears flowing from your face. I know that feeling. We lost one of our teenagers when I was in San Antonio in a car accident. The suddenness is just... It takes your breath away. And I remember one afternoon, grief just caught up with me. And I, I was in tears, and I mean ugly cry, big tears coming down my face. It was that intense. And that's what we're seeing here, this emotional release, the tears from this woman, and there's Jesus' feet, and she's washing them with her tears. She's using her hair to wipe his feet. That's a lot of humility to do that. And also the self-sacrifice that I made note of. Now, with that said, you know, she's anointing his feet with a perfume, kissing them. I just love how Jesus was able to counter Simon's thoughts uh, about the woman through his quiz. You know, he's like, oh, Simon, you know, he's like, huh? You know, how many times have you found yourself going, hmm, yeah, I wonder about that, only to have it like, oh, wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't be thinking that. And yet here he is. And then his response is this, I suppose, which is kind of that, you know, grudging response to an obvious answer. Can, can you hear that? You know, he says, well, I suppose, why are you asking me this simple question? I know the answer, you know. So, but then he turns it. Do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? 
she was invisible to Simon and those like him. Jesus then makes the comparison that she was acting more like the host should have behaved to his guests. Yeah. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. Jesus saw that. She loved much. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are, are forgiven. And then there's the, you know, oh, who is he? You know, that he can forgive sins. Ooh, you know, all this going on. And yet he, he doesn't pay any attention to that. He pays attention to the woman, keeps his focus there. And then he says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus' focus was on the woman and not those around her. Turn to page, Don. Her great love was her response to God's grace and was worthy of her receiving forgiveness. And then I came across this quote that is just powerful. No matter how many or how great the sins, God's grace can forgive them. Let me say that again. No matter how many or how great the sins, God's grace can forgive them. That's amazing. Grace. So what did these two stories have in common? Well, first off, they both had heard of Jesus and more than likely his teachings and miracles. Something clicked and they responded to that. It got the centurion's attention, a Gentile who optics alone, you know, he's not seen as a real favorable kind of guy. Although his local community saw him in a favorable light, his understanding, I'm sure, of I'm a Roman soldier probably isn't going over too well with a lot of other people. You know, and then here's this woman, the sinful woman, and yet that hope. And you know what I'm talking about, that hope that Jesus gives us. That's something that just drew her in and made her want to respond. Both were dealing with overwhelming burdens and believed Jesus would be able to help them. When you have a servant that is beloved, and yeah, I've, I, doing my studies, I know there's some uh, translations that maybe saw that as a son, which is kind of what the chosen kind of chooses to go after for uh, the Gaius character. But still, this is a servant that meant a lot to this Gentile leader, this centurion. And he was like, who can help me with this? And yet, I've heard of this Jesus. This Jesus is doing amazing things. He's healing people. What a concept for a Gentile, okay? Let alone anyone else. And yet, he's like, I need to see this man. I need to get with this man. And he did. And the woman, the sinful woman who's realizing my life is a mess. I have nothing else to turn to. And I keep hearing about this Jesus guy. I keep hearing about he's turning lives around. He's healing people. He's offering forgiveness. So that's her responding to that. And of course, she's like, what can I do? What do I have? Like oil, those lyrics powerful and of course the other thing they have in common is Jesus was moved and acknowledged their individual faith responses 
<clears throat> excuse me. He was blown away by the centurion. That statement of, alone is like, wow. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. Um, and yet, we look at the sinful woman, and his focus was on her. Not the craziness around her, but on her. And helping her understand that what you've done is a great example of your love. And then lastly, they both have in common, their faith produced healing and redemption. What was that like for those servants to, you know, you know, Jesus, you know, he's, he just say the word and all that stuff. And they're like, okay. And they're walking back and they get back to this dwelling. And here's the servant up, alive, healthy. Not only did it have an impact on the centurion, but it had an impact on these friends. And not only that, but all the people around. Wow, that's pretty cool. And then we look at the woman, this desperate woman who had nothing to offer except her tears, her hair, her perfume. And yet Jesus was so moved by that that he says, your sins have been forgiven. Guys, that's the Jesus we know. That's the Jesus we love. And that is the Jesus I hope we're willing to follow and trust. So as I close this out, uh, you know, you have to have something to close it with, you know. So what we learned about Jesus from his encounters with the centurion and the sinful woman. If you got up, yeah. Jesus wants and accepts our faith no matter where we are in this life guys he's there he takes us who we are and thank god for that you know i was showing these notes to debbie by the way she wished she could have been here she's still dealing with the cold stuff so be praying for her but she was like so don do any of these remind you of something and i was kind of like and she looked at me and said well i can think of one and i shared this with our small group last wednesday but uh, Debbie suffered from postpartum depression, and we had to put her in the hospital. And this is like months after Sarah was born. So here I am, potentially a single father with an infant child, and there was no guarantees. I was told by the doctors, you, there's a good possibility you may not get your Debbie back. 25 years old, hello. And I remember it was around Christmas time, and driving with my dad, uh, I was staying at his place. My dad looks at me and says, son, I want you to know I'm going to support you in whatever decision you make. I'm looking at my dad. I was like, what are you talking about? But let me give you some backstory. My dad divorced my mom years ago. And that was just, that was his deal. You know, it, why stick it out? Pull the ejection handle, get out. And yet he was looking at me offering that same kind of advice. But I'm looking at my dad. I'm saying, no, dad, I, you know, I kind of did some vow things here, you know, for better, for worse kind of a deal. And yet the rubber is hitting the road right at that moment. I had no guarantee of what was ahead of me. And God saw me through that. Was my faith really strong? No, it was tiny, guys. But he saw me through that. 
So we don't have to have it all figured out to have faith in God and be right with Him. He just wants you. He wants you as you are. He'll work on the rest. He's good at that. Trust me, He's very good at that. But yeah, you know, He wants us. He accepts our faith no matter where we are. And then here's the best part. Jesus provides healing and forgiveness to those who put their faith in Him. That's what makes what we do and believe so amazing. He loves us that much. He forgives us that much. And we have that sense of newness every time. So when we fall flat on our face, we just get back up. We put our eyes back on him, and he's going to take us, and he's going to move us along. That's 63 years of talking to you guys, okay? And a little bit less of that is my walk with Christ. But it's a journey. It's an adventure. But it is so worth it. Not perfect. Okay, please, if you're picking up on perfect up here, uh -uh, forget that. Time out. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about you trusting in him, just like the centurion did, just like the woman, the sinful woman, and all the other people that we're going to discover as we go through Luke. So thanks for your attention. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the way you love us the way you forgive us, the way you offer us faith. Just help us. Help us to learn from what we've seen here in 7, uh, the centurion, the sinful woman. Just help us to learn from each other more than anything else. We love you. Thanks for being with us today. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week, and you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.